Welcome to the Collective Leadership Podcast. This is a space for leaders to discover, collaborate, and prepare together for God's work in the world. I'm Kim Valenzuela, and our host is Reverend Kelvin Walker. We're joined by a special guest today, Dr. Ingrid Davis. She's a speaker, leader, and executive coach with a bachelor's degree in education, a master's in intercultural studies, and a doctorate of ministry in global leadership. Dr. Ingrid specializes in coaching, cross-cultural training, and soul care-based leadership training. She has taught for churches, companies, and organizations in over 20 countries worldwide, helping them adapt to change and improve the quality of their organizations and their lives. She and her husband have served as Alliance International Workers and pastored churches in New Jersey and Connecticut. Welcome, Ingrid. It's so exciting to, to be able to talk with you today, and thank you for joining Kelvin and I. I'm so glad to be here. We want to start out our conversation around the core value of the Metro District for leadership development and soul care. And so for Kelvin, we just want to hear from you, why is this a core value that you've selected for the Metro District? Because healthy leaders lead from healthy places. If uh, I am a great leader, but I'm a mess internally, then my leadership will come from a place that's not healthy. My motives will not be healthy. My agenda will not be healthy. And so though I might have great leadership skills, I'm going to make a mess of what I do. And you'll also notice that we didn't say leadership development and then another core value of soul care. It's leadership development and soul care. I don't think you can have one without the other. They really, they work hand in hand. That's why it's such an important thing. Then the other piece is, you know, we are a denomination, a movement that believes in Christ as our savior, our sanctifier, our healer, and our coming king. It's that aspect of healing that we we focus on healing from a physical perspective, but we don't often talk about the fact that Christ is the healer for the whole person, body, soul, and spirit. And so this is why it's a part of, it's such a core part of who we are. Do you see evidence that leadership development and soul care was part of our roots, like part of our history as well? Yeah, I think I think as we go back and we look at the journals of our founder, we can see places where even he recognized there was unhealth in his own life. Now, whether or not the the culture of the day was such that uh, he was able to deal with it in the way that uh, God has afforded us opportunities for now, uh, whether whether or not that was the case, I do think there were places where he would look back and go, you know, if he were here today, he would say, yeah, th- that was a spot in my life that was unhealthy. And I do, I firmly believe that when he trusted Jesus to be Lord of the body, it really was Lord of the whole body. So it is a part of who we are. Yeah. I remember thinking through how Ingrid often talks about the key to um, soul care is from self-awareness and how there was an awareness that A.B. Simpson had of his soul um, that I think helped prepare him as a leader in many ways. Yeah. And and the other thing too, you know, you mentioned self-awareness and maybe I'm jumping ahead. One of the things that I have come to appreciate just even about the way that you, Ingrid, do what you do, um, you make it very clear, and I think we all need to be aware of this, is self-awareness without action really doesn't do anything. You know, 
we can be people who are aware of what's going on in our souls. You know, for years, my own story, I, I think I, w- I think I've been a self-aware person, but I wasn't. I mean, it was in my late thirties, early forties when I realized, oh, I got to do something about this. You know, so that's why this is so important for us. So, just going off of that, Ingrid, soul care is uh, a core component of who you are and what you teach and lead other people into. Um, so, why soul care? Why has it become such a significant part of your life and teaching? And you know, that really came out of my own story. Mm. You know, I was a pastor's wife, I was an international worker with the CMA, and yet there were very many unhealthy places in my soul. Amazingly, God used me in spite of myself. Um, but I really had to come to a place and it came through difficult times of depression and my soul, I'll talk about crying out sideways and realizing that there were places in my soul that needed healing that were actually keeping me stuck and my motivations and what I believed about my identity was all tied up in places that really weren't healthy. And so it's out of my story and the freedom that I have that I am really, I I am a different leader today than I was 20 years ago. I'm a different wife and mother and friend. God has brought me to a place where I can lead and love and live in freedom. And it came really after awareness, but then doing something and finding a place where I could find healing. Just jumping off of that, just can you give us an example, just one example of, of how you've noticed a shift in your leadership as a result of going after the things of your soul? So I would say um, I lived my life really with four false beliefs coming out of Robert McGee's stuff in Search for Significance. I had all four of them, that my worth was based on my performance so I had a fear of failure. My worth was based on the approval of certain others. And so my fear was rejection. If I don't get it right or you don't like me, then I don't have a sense of worth. I believe that my identity and my worth was based on living a sinless perfection. So I had mm. to get it right all the time in front of God and others. And then I, I think I lived with a what I call a low-grade fever of shame, like a toxic wow. shame in my life that said somewhere along the line, I believe that I am defective or I am unworthy of love and acceptance. Mm-hmm. And it was, and a lot of that, as I've now learned, came out of some core memories from childhood. It's those initial years that really form us uh, in our souls and in our identities. And so a lot of it came out of that for me. So when I actually really came through a time of understanding that and of healing of some of those wounds and those memories, um, identifying these lies, which I didn't even know Mm. were there, I, I honestly didn't know I believed that stuff until it came to the surface and I had somebody walk with me through it, that I could my ministry just exploded. My capacity um, exploded where I could do a conference and then fly somewhere and the next day do another conference because it was no longer about performance. Mm. So I would do a conference and it would go really well and there would be great success. People's lives were changed, but I would be in bed for three days. Mm -hmm. Like I would be completely depleted. 
And now I can go from one thing to another and God is just opening up all these doors, but it's not, I have a new capacity Mm. and my identity is not based on how well something goes. My identity is not based on whether or not you like me. I'd like you to like me because I like people, (laughs) Mm -hmm. but it's just, I have a whole different, my identity and my foundation has been built up. Wow. That's great. You know, if I can just pick up on something else, it was so descriptive, low-grade fever of shame. Yes. Yes. And as you said that, uh, just internally, I I just got this sense. You know, as you're listening to this out there, if you have been living with this low-grade fever of shame that Ingrid has described, um, we just want to take a moment and break that off of you because that is not of God that may be playing into why you find yourself in some unhealthy patterns that may be bubbling over into the way you lead. And we want to we want to break that off of you right now. There is a difference between coming to a place of identifying the things that God wants to go after and heal and living from a place of shame that keeps you in this cycle of low self-worth, self-esteem. So we, we just yes. we just break that off now. And um, Jesus in Jesus' name, Amen. we break it off. We were going to talk about just what are those common indicators that you see, mm-hmm. especially ministry leaders, indicators of unhealth. And shame is one that we all resonate with. Yes, absolutely. What are some of those other indicators that you say when you're, when you're working with a leader, when you're having a conversation with someone, that if you see those things, you say, I think this is a soul care issue? Yes. I think one of the main things as I've worked with leaders around the world is drivenness. Mm-hmm. Just wow. the sense that... I have to get it done. It's up to me. Um, I need to meet everybody's expectations, and they're just driven. And unfortunately, they normally drive everybody else around them, and they leave a wake of destruction. Now, I'm not. Some people have more capacity, and you know they're wired a certain way. But when a leader says to me, "That's just who I am. I'm driven," that to me is like a red flag. Just mm-hmm. to say, let's talk about where that drivenness is coming from. Um, I think, go ahead. Can you pause on that one? Yes, and let's just, pause on it. Just give us a few, a few examples of where that drivenness is sometimes coming from. What's beneath the surface of that indicator? Well, I think underneath the surface is going back to those four false beliefs that my identity is based on how successful I am, or my identity is based on how people like me. And so I'm driven so that I can meet everybody's expectations. And whether even sometimes it's God, you know, we put it, you know, like, am I pleasing God enough, right? Mm. So I think out of drivenness is this fear that actually, if I don't do that, I am going to be found wanting or I am not enough. Right. So I think that's part of it, that motivation, you know, that Kelvin talked about, you know, sometimes our motivations are really not out of service. They're out of wanting the approval or to be seen as being busy and productive. Yeah. Mm. I'll never forget one of the the questions that you asked me, and I know we've worked together a good bit over the years, but one of the questions that you've you've asked me is, what if everything stopped? And what if you weren't doing things? What if you weren't contributing? Who would you be? And that was a targeted question to my own drivenness. Mm-hmm. And so I'm so thankful for you seeing that beneath the surface. Yeah, that's great. Okay, so another, in, so another, another indicator. indicator um, and I'm not saying that all physical 
issues or sicknesses or anything like that are always connected to the soul. But there's often a red flag for me when I see somebody constantly being sick and not having just capacity just to say, Lord, is there something going on in their soul? And I think part of it came out of my own story because when we were in West Africa as international workers, I was sick all the time that first Mm. term. Now, granted, there are, I mean... There are real amoebas and sicknesses there, and I often say, I, you know, I had malaria, I had Shigella, I had Salmonella, anything that ended in an Ella, I had, <laughs> you know. But now, looking back, if I'm really honest, looking back, when I was sick, nobody could have expectations of me. Wow. When I was sick, it was just like, well, Ingrid can't do that, um, you know. And I just, I was, I actually hid behind my sickness, and. I would never at the time have told you that. So I'm telling you it in reflection. I didn't have the same capacity as my husband and I and other people on the team. So I judged myself as less than, not enough. And I just don't think I had any even resistance to sickness because I was so comparing myself to everybody else. And in a way, when I couldn't meet everybody's expectations, I think I hid behind my sickness. And anyway, that was, that was a big one. So, and I'm not saying, please hear me. I'm not saying that every sickness is because of that. Um, But I just, to be aware of that, you know, um, because I talk about our souls cry out sideways. Sometimes they cry out in our physical body. Hmm. You know, we cannot separate mind, body, soul, and spirit. I mean, we are holistic beings. Mm -hmm. So our soul is impacting our bodies Mm -hmm. and our bodies are impacting our soul, Mm. right? Both and. And so that would be one thing that I just kind of pay attention to. Um, I think when somebody is really irritable, or critical, or jealous, or I see self-pity, you know, like, why do they get the lead and not me? Or comparison, you know, I often say you compare, you despair, mm-hmm. when, you know, so that kind of thing are just like telltale signs for me. Um, people who are numbing their pain, or, you know, getting caught in addictions is often a sign of what's going on in the soul. So I'm always listening below the surface when I work with leaders is just to say, I wonder what's going, being curious. Mm -hmm. I'm not telling them what's going on in their soul, but I'm asking the questions. Mm -hmm. And and then I'm asking the Holy Spirit to shine a light into their soul. Mm -hmm. You know, this soul care is not about introspection, like trying to figure out I need to figure out what's going on. It's Holy Spirit inspection. That's that's good. I'm so glad that you. Yeah. I'm so glad that you said that because um, sometimes, and I'm going to use a phrase that my wife uses. Uh, I used to hate it, but she's so right on this. Sometimes what we think is soul care is actually just navel gazing. Yes, where we're just looking at our belly buttons, if I can say that. And it's really not getting at the place where we've opened ourselves up to the to the Holy Spirit inspection that you yes. talk about, asking the Holy Spirit to shine a light on those places that he wants to touch and he wants to heal. Uh, I think I think that becomes a safe place for us mm-hmm. because we're concerned about or scared of what we might discover. And yet there is no fear in love because perfect love casts out fear. 
And so just encouraging us to, to go beyond the the introspection, the navel gazing, exactly. and really letting the Holy Spirit do what he wants to do. I'm so glad you said yeah. that. Can you give us some examples along those lines of what it looks like to step beyond the introspection and step into the Holy Spirit inspection and what that change process looks like? Yeah, that's a good question. What does that change process look like? Well, I think, you know, what happens with navel gazing, as you would say, or introspection is we are usually, well, how do I say this? Our... um, Oftentimes we have broken narratives. And so the narrative that I've been telling myself is that I'm less than, that I don't have the same capacity as, that if I don't get it right, God's not going to love and accept me or those kind of belief systems, right? So we all have these narratives that we're telling ourselves that actually we're not even aware are maybe not truth. Mm-hmm. Like, so I'm, I, for 41 years, lived with belief system about my worth, which actually was a lie of the enemy. Mm-hmm. And when you become self-aware of it and the Holy Spirit revealed truth, I realized that I actually had a broken narrative, mm-hmm. that what I was believing was not God's truth. And so allowing the Holy Spirit to shine a light um, into our souls and even to our memories of our growing up in those formative years, those formative years have formed lies and labels and we make agreements with it and we make vows that say, listen, I'll never trust anybody again because Mm. trusting people, they disappoint you. And, And that kind of idea. And I was living with these lies and these vows and these agreements. And when you invite the Holy Spirit, he shines a light into that. And he shows you, my child, you're, you're hurt here, or you believe this lie. And then you can see truth, his truth. Mm-hmm. So for me, that's one of the things, because I don't, oftentimes we can't read our own story mm-hmm. or understand our narrative. And it's by allowing the Holy Spirit to reveal that truth. This is why it's so important for us that one of our core values is also ministry and life in the Spirit. Yes, we can't absolutely. even get to the place of allowing the Holy Spirit to shine his light on those places where you're believing a false narrative or a broken narrative without living in uh, from a place where you, you are doing ministry in life right. with and in the Spirit. And, you know, a lot of people have learned how to manage all of that, right? So they've managed right. expectations or they've managed how they please people or managed how well they do something. But at some point you can't keep managing. At some point, your soul, the wounds of your soul or the lies or the, that broken narrative will come out, Mm -hmm. you know, and I've had people say to me, you know, just get over it and get on with it. You're in Christ, you know, you're a new creation, Mm -hmm. get over it and get on with it. And I would say, absolutely, we're a new creation and absolutely we have the Holy Spirit within us, but those areas need to be addressed and then healed. Mm-hmm. Right. We have a healer, yes, and we have the Spirit, but we have to allow space for the Spirit and permission for the Spirit to come and to shine a light into those places and to bring healing there. Yeah. One of the core differences that I've seen is 
when we're just self-introspection, it's so that we can understand ourselves to stay the way we are, so that we know ourselves better to understand who I am so I can continue to be who I, who I think I am. Whereas the Holy Spirit intro, um, inspection mm-hmm. uh, is always for restoration, is always for change, transformation, healing. I think of that quote that um, Michael Plunkett always says, it's, it's okay to not be okay, but it's not okay to stay that way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's, yeah. The, it's okay to not stay that way is the work of the Holy Spirit to right. help mm-hmm. to change and transform us. Yeah. 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 It's the difference between, I think, introspection and Holy Spirit inspection um, brings out the difference between just simple catharsis and actual repentance and living a different way. Absolutely. You know, introspection just simply says, you know, hey, I've discovered it. I've put it out on the table. So you all deal with it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly, you know. <laughs> and, and, and the reality is if we don't deal with it, others will have to deal with it. Right. And that can be either... Most time, most of the time, it's not good. You know, Dallas Willard said that people won't remember 99% of what we say to them, but they will never forget the kind of people we are. Mm. That yes. the quality of our souls will touch people either for good or for ill. Mm-hmm. And I have seen a lot of people, and they've sat in the back of a seminar with their arms crossed and said, I don't do belly gazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, navel gazing. I don't do introspection because I'm in Christ and it's all taken care of. Mm-hmm. And yet I've seen the wake of destruction mm. with the people they work with, with their families, with their teams. And so it is so important that we really are, understand our souls and allow the Holy Spirit access to our souls to bring healing. Yeah. So if it is so important, as we are talking through, why is it so neglected or, or hindered? There's, there's so much resistance to it. Why do you think that is? Well, I think, you know, part of it is we're just busy doing, right? So we're just, we have a task in front of us. We have a ministry. I know that everybody is maxed out and we just, that's what we do. We just have to get all of that done. And I, we all have demands and we have legitimate demands. And so what we do is we end up neglecting our soul, a friend of mine once said to me, um, if your output exceeds your input, your upkeep will be your downfall. Oh, wow. If your wow, output exceeds your input, your upkeep will be your downfall. And I have just seen so many leaders who have neglected their souls and who have not paid attention to what's going on inside. And, you know, I think of the passage in Isaiah 30. I think, for me, this is like one of the saddest passages in the Bible. It says, um, In repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. And so we would all stop there and just say, Yes, that's so true. In repentance and rest is my salvation. And quietness and trust is my strength. And then the end of that verse says, but you would have none of it. Wow. And that is, it's like a stab in the heart, right? (laughs) But we would have none of it. I mean, and this is back, you know, in Isaiah speaking this and just thinking, how often do we do the same thing? We know in our heads, we know what we're supposed to do and we know that it's important, but somehow we'll have none of it. You know, we just keep on doing things in our own strength and not nurturing our souls. And, you know, the word for soul care, care there is about cure, healing, Hmm. but it's also about caring. It's about nurture, but it's also about restoration. Mm -hmm. 
And we are so busy doing for God that we forget the importance of that quietness and rest and repentance that you talked about. One of the quotes that 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 verse reminds me of is um, the quote that you've often quoted from Pete Scazzaro that says, you cannot be spiritually mature while remaining emotionally immature. And that verse from, from scripture illustrates like your salvation is rooted in how you care for yourself and how you care for your soul. Mm-hmm. And so talk to us a little bit about the relationship between our spiritual maturity and our emotional maturity. You know, I know a lot of people who would say, ministers, leaders, who would say, yeah, I'm spiritually mature. And I would ask the question, okay, what does that mean? I go to church, I read my Bible, I give, I serve. We could add several things to that. And there is a, you know, there they are in that, maybe I would say, domain of their life. Mm-hmm. They're doing pretty well, and yet their relationships are falling apart. Their families are falling apart. Their marriages are falling apart. They're leaving a wake of destruction on their team. That, to me, is there's emotional immaturity there. And if we are truly going to be, you know, to equip the saints for the works of service so that we might all attain to the fullness of Christ, Mm -hmm. the fullness of Christ is in every area. And if Christ is not, and the Holy Spirit is not impacting us spiritually, emotionally, physically, in our physical bodies, in our relationships, in our thinking, then I... There's, that's not maturity or that's mm-hmm. not fullness. So what is spiritual maturity? It's For me, it's that fullness of Christ within us, that we would be Jesus-centered leaders, mm. that we would lead different. And so I, I just feel like we need to pay attention to that. And mm. we, are so, we, we so easily compartmentalize our lives and say, well, I'm okay here. But the fact is in Scripture, I mean, the... In the Old Testament, we are holistic beings. I mean, yeah. they didn't separate anything out. I mean, no. we were mind, body, soul, and spirit. And what I love is God says, you know, through Paul, I want to sanctify you, mind, body, soul, and spirit. And then the great ending part of that is he who is faithful will do it. Yeah. yeah. That it's not about me figuring it out, but it's me cooperating with the sanctifying work of Christ and his spirit. So you asked earlier, Kim, about um, this being tied to our DNA as a movement. That yes. statement that, that she just made mm-hmm. uh, is another reason why I believe soul care is tied to who we are as, as a movement in the, in the CNMA, because we believe Christ is our Savior and sanctifier. Right. Right. And uh, going back to the the verse that you quoted from 2 Corinthians 5 earlier, this idea of, you know, being in Christ, being new creation, the old has passed, the new has come. That is not only just something that has happened, that's something that is happening. Yes. And so it has happened in Christ, but it is happening in Christ that the old is passing. It has happened in Christ that the new has come, but it is happening in Christ that the new is coming. Mm-hmm. It's all part of sanctification. It's all part of our DNA. And if we're not willing to see the happened and the happening as both and, and, uh, and, and press into that and cooperate with the Spirit as you were saying, uh, then we get stuck. Yeah. And we don't understand why we're, we're stuck then. You know, so. 
sometimes it feels like there's tension. There's tension between soul care and what we're saying that the Spirit of God is doing within us to produce us as better leaders and the leadership development. Is that tension supposed to be there? How do we handle that tension between the two? What is your input on both of those? I think it is, I think the tension is supposed to be there. It is a both and. It's part of the now and the not yet that we live in. Uh, you know, we are, we, again, we are, but we are becoming. It has happened, but it is happening. And when, when you look at the tie between leadership development and soul care, I don't think we can position ourselves to really receive and press into the things that we need to do in order to become next level leaders unless we have healthy souls. Because if we, let's, let's say we have a leadership coach. Uh, Ingrid, I know you do coaching. I would submit that it would be difficult for me to receive from my coach the things that he or she sees as, hey, if you would tweak this or you would incorporate this, or if you would just change this, this is going to make you the next level leader. I think we'd have a hard time receiving those if we've got these broken places in our souls and in our lives, because then we felt the filter through, through which we hear that is going to affect what we do with it. Mm-hmm. So right. leadership development and soul care are so connected. It's hard to do one without the other. Um, because you got to have a healthy place from from which to receive this. Right, right. Yeah, I would absolutely agree with that. I think soul care and leadership development go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. I know there. I understand the idea of both and, but when I'm working with a leader from whatever organization, we often have to dip down into the soul. Mm-hmm. Right. You've got to. I think it's Soren Kierkegaard that said, um, "Life is understood backwards, but must be lived forwards." Yeah. It's kind of that both and, but, and when I, when I think about life has to be, is understood backwards, it's actually, that's going underneath, that's going to the soul. And so when I'm working with the leader, I'm listening for what are their motivations? Um, What's driving them? What do they believe? Mm -hmm. You know, when they tell me certain things of what's annoying them and I'm thinking, I wonder why that's annoying them so much. What about that? Whatever... Thing they're working on. What about that is being, is it's coming from the place of the soul. You know, and I love what Bruce Terpstra talks about with regard to the, the three affections of the soul. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, that goes way back to Ignatius of Loyola from the 15th century, but that idea of, am I accepted? Am I significant? Am I safe? Yes. Those are three. And I remember you, we had a session, Kimberly, <laughs> yes. and you brought that up. And I just thought that is so true. And um, I've been studying that more. And so I'm always listening underneath the surface then for a leader who wants to go to the next level. Mm-hmm. But there are, when I see a block or I hear a block, I'm wondering, what is, what is it that's motivating them underneath? Is it acceptance? Is it significance? Is it safety? Mm-hmm. And so listening under the surface. And I don't think you can have one without the other, really. I mm-hmm. think we, mm-hmm. it needs to be a both and. Mm-hmm. 
I think the quote that you shared with us earlier about um, when your output exceeds your input. Your upkeep will be your downfall. Upkeep mm-hmm. will be your downfall. And I think if often leadership development is seen as the output. It's how do I better produce the leadership that I'm imparting to other people? And, and that is an output. That is a, it's not just skill orientation, but it's also people development and managing a team and effectively carrying out a mission But when that exceeds the input, which is looking and receiving from the Holy Spirit for the transformation you need, I feel like then we get into the upkeep portion. Yeah, that it just, um, and too many leaders, I mean, we're talking about the kingdom of God here. We're Mm -hmm. talking about being part of this great kingdom of transformation and renewal and freedom. And there's so many people who aren't there yet. You know, and so our jobs and our ministries are so important in what we do. And if we are not paying attention to our own souls, how can we even lead anybody else to that place? Mm-hmm. Right? And, and if we don't pay attention to that input, like you said, we're missing the mark. And too many leaders are dropping out, burning out, or flaming out. Mm. And my heart, and, and that's where my passion comes from is I just want to see healthy leaders developed in their skills. Mm-hmm. I mean, we need skilled leaders in, in how to lead organizations, but also how to develop people. But if they are not going under the surface to their own soul stuff, we're leading out of that place of depletion. And you can use your skills, or as Martin would, Sanders would tell me, uh, you can lead out of your charm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> where you can lead out of the Spirit of God. And you know what? I want to lead out, out of God's Spirit Amen. and yeah. be Amen. a woman of um, deep soul care and deep um, healing. I mean, God has truly healed my soul mm-hmm. that I am leading out of a very different place than I used to. Mm. That's great. As we close our time together, can each of you give... Um, just some practical thoughts and recommendations for how how our church leaders carry this out in their churches. What is the role of the church to soul care and leadership development? I think uh, one of the ways that our leaders can carry this out in their churches is to model it and not be afraid to be vulnerable with their with their congregation, with the leaders that they have charge over and saying, hey, you know what, I, I'm going after some things in my own soul because I'm realizing how they affect how I lead. Maybe one of those ways is, you know, insisting from their board that the board give them freedom to have a, 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 a leadership coach that, that is skilled in not only leadership development, but skilled in asking the right questions to go after the things of the soul. Because I think we, we can see, we can see it as you either are skilled in one or the other. And I would submit that you, it's got to be a both hand. They go hand in hand. So that's, that's what I would say from the, the, the leader. And I would say to our boards, please provide in your budgets for this to happen. You want healthy leaders leading your churches. You want healthy leaders leading your teams. So please provide for that so that there's no pressure to try and figure out how do I make this happen. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, that's really good. You know, uh, I think it was Basil the Great 
said that we need to learn how to be physicians of the soul. Mm. And I think that is our role as a church. And I, I have to submit that I do think that we have failed in many areas and we have relegated the issues of the soul. And believe me, I so believe in counseling and, you know, mental health professionals. Mm -hmm. So I'm not in any way saying that that is not important, but I think sometimes the church has neglected that part. And we talk about the spiritual, you know, how to have healthy, skilled disciples, but we haven't really dealt with the issues of the soul. And for many of us as leaders, we weren't even dealing with the issues of our own. So Mm -hmm. modeling that is so important. Learning how to listen to someone's story and then listening underneath the surface Mm -hmm. to what are the motivations, what are their passions, where are they stuck, what are they believing, and listening underneath the surface. Mm -hmm. And you know what? That takes time. You know, I get it. That does take time. It's amazing to me in a five-minute conversation with somebody, if you are really listening and asking a question, how quickly the Holy Spirit will reveal something. Mm -hmm. And so we do, we need to be modeling it. We need to be practicing it as a church. And, you know, Rob Reamer often says people will not come to church because they know they're sinners in need of a Savior. They're going to come because they know they're hurt and broken, and they need healing. Mm-hmm. Right. And I'll never forget, when Rob said that, it just dropped into my soul, and I said, that is truth. Yeah. And we have a broken world that so needs healing, and that healing, true healing, can only be found in Christ. Yeah. And so um, that that is what our, you know, one of our roles as a church is to be a place of, of healing of souls. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I know there's some who might hear that and go, well, what about the gospel? What about the gospel? Well, the reality is there are a number of places in the gospels where you see Jesus did a healing work and then people followed him. Um, I don't think it's an either or. It is a both and, you know, so I'm I'm really glad that you that you said that. Thank you both. This has been just so encouraging to me. And it's it's evident that that Christ has deposited something into both of you um, that the church is in greatly in need of today. So thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Good to be here, Kim. Thank Thank you you. for hosting this as always. Mm -hmm.